0: I'm Gary Chevalier, Connections Pastor at Parkway Fellowship's West Park location. I pray today you're uplifted and encouraged by the truth of God's Word that you're about to hear and apply it to your daily life. If you have any questions, feel free to email me at connections at parkwayfellowship.com. So glad to be back with you today. I've been gone for about three weeks. Uh, Two of those weeks, I was actually teaching in our student ministry down in the gym, and that was super fun. Love hanging out with our teenagers. They're super great. And so today, I want to come back and I want to continue our message series called Don't Forget, where we're looking at some of the key passages in the Bible where God says, don't forget. Because these are passages that are so important that God doesn't want us to forget them, and he doesn't want us to forget them for some really, really good reasons. And so, by the way, for you, what are some of the don't forget passages in the Bible that you can think of that are key for you? What, what, what are those passages that you can think of? Okay, I got, I got two people down here saying something, but the rest of us are everybody's like, Staring me like blank faces, like, okay. Yeah, the, because the problem is, most of us have forgotten the passage that God says not to forget, right? So today, I want us to look at one really key passage. And the passage we're going to look at today is actually my very favorite of all of the don't forget passages. Um, it's actually the very first one that I ever memorized. Um, and my hope is that after today, you'll memorize it, too. It's such such a great passage um, And through the years I've quoted this passage over and over again, especially when people ask me questions, you know, like, you know, hey Mike You know does God predetermine who's gonna go to heaven and who's not? How does God feel about people who are not yet Christ followers, you know, and also like why does God allow evil in this world. All those things are answered in this one passage that God tells us not to forget. So what is that passage? It's um, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. Is there in your worship, God. If you want to follow along your Bible, that's fine too. Uh, let's look at it there uh, together. The Bible says this. Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. So do not forget. Here it is. This one thing, dear dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Now, I want to pause right there. What what is the promise that he's talking about? Well, if you go back and you read chapter 3, you find out in verse 4, that the promise that God is talking about is the promise to send Jesus back to this earth. And when Jesus goes back, like he's come back to like shut it all down. Okay. And apparently people in that day, you know, and Peter is writing this because apparently there were people that day, they were beginning to You know, wonder out loud and begin to murmur, you know, things like, you know, like, I mean, I wonder if Jesus is, you know, really coming back. You know, God sure is slow about keeping his promise to, you know, send Jesus back to this earth. I mean, come on, it's been like 30 years since Jesus died. Yeah, to which you and I, 2,000 years later, like, you have no idea, right? But, Then Peter gives us the big reason why this is such an important, you know, don't forget passage. He says this, he says, instead, he being God, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So why is this such an important passage? And why does God not want me to forget this one thing? Well, there's at least four reasons. And here's the first, write this one down. It's because God pursues me my whole life. God pursues me my whole life. Um, and just like you know, in, for us in our personal lives, we create you know, photo albums with pictures that help us not forget memorable moments. What I wanna to do today is I wanna create our own photo album page. And we'll do this each week. Our own photo album page to help us not forget the importance of this passage. So the very first thing we wanna put on our photo album page is this is that with the lord a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day they're basically all the same to god and so we're going to put that in our photo album very first and why is this such a big deal why is it so important because essentially what the apostle peter is telling us is that waiting for long spans of time that doesn't stress god out like it doesn't max him out that, that for God. There's not much difference between a day and a thousand years thousand years a day, you know for God There's not that much difference. Okay, and what is it that God is being patient about? He's being patient About each one of us making the decision to become a Christ follower ourselves which means that God is so patient that he's willing to pursue me and to pursue you for our whole lives until we can make that one decision. And then once we make that decision, if we make it, that he's also willing to pursue me for the rest of my life to, de- to develop a deeper relationship with me. You know, and as I, I look back on my own life, like, I realize that this is absolutely true. I, I remember you know, sitting in church, as a 10 year old little boy, I mean, I'm just sitting there and every week the pastor would get up and he would talk about how Jesus died for me and how he loved me and how he wanted me to choose to believe in him. And I remember just as a 10 year old kid, just like sitting in church, I could just feel God tugging on my heart every, every service. And I just was like, like, well, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. And I would just sit there and I'd be frozen in my own indecision. And I'm telling you, like, this went on for months. Honestly, honestly, it really went on for almost a year. Until finally, after I was 11 years old, I remember in one church service one day, I tugged on my dad's coat because he wore coat and tie every day to church. I tugged on my dad's coat, and I looked up at him, and I said, Dad, I'm ready to become a Christ follower. And that day I did. And my life's never been the same since. And God was so patient. He was waiting me and he was pursuing me through that whole thing. And I'm so thankful to Pastor Ron, who stood up every single week and he told me about Jesus and how Jesus loved me. And then, after my family moved to San Antonio, when we found a new church, I'm so thankful to Pastor Charles at that new church who told me every week about how Jesus wanted to have a deeper relationship with me and challenged me to to move forward in my relationship with Jesus even though I was just a junior high kid. And then Pastor Charles moved off to another church and then Pastor Patrick showed up. And that was kind of fun to say, Pastor Patrick. And Pastor Patrick, man, he had just this fire and this excitement and that helped God use Pastor Patrick to ignite that passion inside me to follow Jesus with all my heart. And then after I finished college and seminary, and I moved to Katy and I became a youth pastor. And guess who was my pastor, pastor, like my senior pastor, Pastor Charles from when I was a junior high kid. So that same guy who was my pastor when I was in junior high was now my boss and my pastor all at the same time. And so over the years, he just poured into me and poured into me and helped me understand how much Jesus loved me and how he wanted to have a great relationship with me and how I could pursue pursue that relationship with him. And I look back on all of that. I look back and, and I... And I look back at all that, and I see that how from the very beginning, even when I was 10 years old, and honestly, even before that, how God was lining up certain people and events in my life. So God was pursuing me my whole life until I made that decision. And even after that, he continued to pursue me. But look, I couldn't see it until I decided to look back and take it all in. But God was pursuing me my whole life. And the truth is, he's been pursuing you your whole life too. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take some time. I want you to look back at your life over the course of the events in your life, and I want you to look and see what God has done to pursue you. And maybe that's to pursue you. Maybe you're you're not a Christ follower yet, and he's been pursuing you to become one. Or maybe you are a Christ follower. How did he pursue you before that, and how has he pursued you since? Look back over your life and ask God to show you how he's pursued you. Because I'm telling you, he's patient with you. Because with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. A thousand years are like a day. He'll wait for you your whole life. He'll wait for you for, he loves you so much, he'd wait for you for a thousand years. Now, you won't live that long, but he'd wait for you that long. Because he loves you that much. Because he's been pursuing you your whole life. Now, there's a second deep truth in this verse. I'll write this down. This is the second reason why we don't want to forget it. And that is this. Is that for some, coming to Christ is a process. For some people, coming to Christ is a process. And for that, we want to use this picture of a winding road. Because it's a process for some people. If if you're already a Christ father, if you're already a Christian, I want you to think about what did it take to get you to become a Christian? What did it take to get you to cross that line eventually believe? How long did it take you to make that decision? How many times did you have to wrestle with God before you decided to cross the line? How many times did you have to hear about Jesus before you decided to finally believe? And if you're not a Christ follower yet, what did it take to get you to come today so that you could hear? Or if you're listening on the internet, what did it take to get you to where you would listen today to this message? Because all of it is God pursuing you. Because here's the deal. For some people, when they become a Christ follower, it's it's like a lightning strike. It's like, bam. I mean, they were ready and they heard about Jesus, they only took one time, and they were were so ready and so open that they made that decision to follow Jesus, and then just off they go, because for them, it was like wham, it was like a lightning strike. But here's the thing, for most people, it's not like a lightning strike at all. For most people, becoming a Christ follower is a process. It's, It's a lot more like a winding road. And we go through multiple moves, to multiple cities and we go through a vast array of experiences, some good, some painful. Our our lives intersect lots of different people and each of those different people bring a little different something into our lives to help get us ready so that we are ready and get to the point where we're ready to hear about Jesus and maybe accept him and become a Christ follower ourselves. But the the point is, is that for a lot of people, it's not a lightning strike at all. It's a long, winding road because it's a process to become a Christ follower. And again, if you are already a Christ follower, think about your life. Think about all of the things that you went through in order to get you to the place where you would become a Christ follower. And for some people, all that happens early in life. Some people, it happens later in life. Some people, it happens, you know, somewhere in the middle. But it's just different for everybody. But again, think about you. I mean, For me, it it was more than a year of just winding my way through church before I finally made the decision to become a Christ follower myself. And if you're not a Christ follower yet, think about the winding road that it took you to come today or to be listening today on the internet for the very first time. What did it take to get you to that point? And look, here's the thing. The purpose for the road being so winding it's not just to look at the scenery it's to get you to the point where you would slow down long enough to see that Jesus has been on the side of the road the whole time waiting for you to stop and let him in and the the truth is you've probably passed Jesus like a hundred times and didn't even know he was there or maybe you did know he was there and you just kept on driving. Because you liked the road that you were on and you liked driving at the speed you were driving. You didn't want to pull over and pick him up. But the purpose of the winding road is to eventually get to the place where you're willing to pull over and allow Jesus to come into your life. Allow Jesus to come into your car, if we continue with the analogy. And when you invite Jesus to come into your life, when you invite him to come into your car, here's the deal. <laughs> Jesus won't sit in the back seat. He won't even sit in the front seat. When you invite Jesus to come into your life, Jesus says, slide over, I'm driving. Like, and that's, that's the hardest part about being a Christ follower, right? It's you know, like letting Jesus take the wheel, so to speak right? That's the hardest part because we're used to being in control. Like we like to be in control. Like we want to be the ones that determine where we go and how fast we go. And do we stop on the, on the gas or do we, you know, slam on the brake? We want to be in control. Sometimes, you know, we're, if we decide to move on to the passenger side, sometimes we'll reach over and grab the wheel and start trying to drive ourselves again. And she's like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. Like when I come into your life and I come in the car, like I come to drive, I don't come to ride. See, that's what it means to be a Christ follower. We follow Jesus. We let him take the lead, or if you keep the analogy, we let Jesus drive. Have you ever done that? Have you ever allowed Jesus to start driving your life? He's waiting for you to pull over long enough to let him in, let him in to drive. Which brings us to the third thing that God says to us about this passage of why this passage is so important. And that's this. Is that God chooses everyone to become a Christ follower, but I must choose him back. God chooses everyone to become a Christ follower, but I must choose him back. See, God tells us in in this verse, he says, it's his will that none... Should perish, but that everyone should come to repentance. So basically, what God's saying is He doesn't want anybody to spend eternity separated from Him, that God wants everyone to go to heaven when they die. He wants everyone to go to heaven. But even Jesus tells us that there are going to be some people who are not going to go to heaven when they die. That they will spend eternity separated from God. What's the deal? I mean, if if it's God's will, God's plan, his desire that everyone go to heaven, then why is it that some don't? Well, the answer is, is that they have to choose him back. Let me give you an analogy that I think will help make this um, a little more understandable and make it clearer. I have a black Labrador Retriever at home. Her name is Mabel. Uh, we got her when she was a puppy, like the cutest puppy ever. Like I know you think your dog's cute, not cute. My dog, way cuter. Okay, super cute puppy. And it, it was my desire from the very beginning that Mabel would be the kind of dog that like didn't chew shoes, that was potty trained, that would obey basic commands, you know, sit, stay, heel, come, that kind of thing. Uh, That was the kind of path I had chosen for my dog. You might even say I had predetermined that that would be the path that she would walk down in life. And so we began the process of trying to get her to go down that path. And so, you know, I used kind words and kind tones with the dog. Sometimes we had unpleasant conversations together with consequences, that kind of thing. But bottom line, I just, I mean, I did everything I could to try to get this dog to go down this path that I had determined for her to go down. And look, just let me give you a little relief. She's a good dog, okay? But I, I had chosen this path for her. But here's the thing. My dog still has free will. And sometimes that was a very strong will, So although I had chosen for her to go down this specific path, she still had to choose it back in order for things to work, right? So that's what God is getting at here for all of us, because the same is true for us. God has has chosen each one of us to go to heaven. You might even say that God has predetermined a path for each one of us to go to heaven when we die. But in order for that to happen, we have to choose him back. It's so like you know when I'm so when I'm talking to anybody about Jesus or uh, you know God or anything, like, and they and they say something like this, they think, "Hey, hey, Mike, like, do you do you really think God wants all people to go to heaven?" And then they come up with like some crazy extreme example, like, "Do you really think that God wants terrorists to go to heaven? Like, what what about what about pedophiles?" Or, you know, human traffickers. You know, I'm thinking, who are you hanging out with on the weekend, right? I'm like, why are you even asking these kinds of crazy questions? But I always go back to this verse in 2 Peter. I always go back to this verse because it says that it's God's will for everyone without exception to go to heaven when they die. See, God's already chosen us. He's already chosen us. He's just waiting for us. To choose him back. And so the next image we want to put in our scrapbook is this. Let me get that on there. It's that because God has already chosen each one of us by sending Jesus to die for us. He's waiting for us to bow before the cross of Christ and choose him back. And he loves you so much. He's so patient with you that he's willing to take you down a winding road as many times as it takes to get you to this. So let me ask you, have you ever pulled over long enough to ask Jesus Christ to come into your life to drive? I did when I was 11 years old. It's the best decision I ever made in my entire life, and it changed my life from that point forward. And, And... I didn't understand all the ways it would change my life, but I'm telling you, as I grew, it's been incredible. And he'll do the same for you. So if you've never asked Christ to come into your life, I want to encourage you today, bow before the cross of Christ. Ask him to come into your life to forgive you and give him control. If you're ready to do that, I want you to pray the prayer that's in your message notes at the bottom. And I want you to pray that prayer. I want you to pray it right now because God is predetermined that he wants you to go to heaven when you die he's waiting for you to choose him back now while some people are praying that prayer for the first time everybody who's prayed that prayer before there's a fourth thing that God tells us in this passage and that's this number four is that God tolerates evil for now so more can become Christ followers he tolerates evil for now so that more can become Christ's you know, There's this you know, age-old question of, you know, well, if God is a good God, then why does he allow so much evil in this world? As if, they, as if like that's a hard question to answer. This passage easily answers that question. And here's how. Look, God gives each one of us free will. Like we, we've already talked about that. And the reason God gives us free will is because if he didn't, and we were just forced to love God, then that love has no real meaning because it's forced. So in order for love to have a meaning, we have to be able to choose it. And in order to be able to choose it, that also means we have to have the ability to not choose it, to choose something else. And when people do not choose God back essentially they choose to live for themselves they choose to live according to their own sinful nature and at some point that sinful nature will take them down a road of temptation because the devil leads us to go down that road and for some people that the end result is actions that become truly evil in this world and so the deal is you have to understand is that one day that evil will cease according to this verse one day God will send Jesus back and when Jesus comes back time as we know it's going to cease every government that on this planet will cease to exist and the ability for people to choose Jesus of their own free will will also cease because the time for choosing is over there will be no option to choose Jesus And the only reason, get this, the only reason that Jesus, that that God holds Jesus back from coming again, because remember, once he does, the opportunity to choose is over. The only reason that God holds Jesus back is to give the people in our lives more time. More time to choose him. The only reason God holds Jesus back is because he's giving your kids more time to choose him. The only reason he's holding Jesus back is because he's giving your other family members more time to choose him. He's giving your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, the people that you know in your life, however you know them, he is holding Jesus back because he's giving them more time to choose him. And part of holding Jesus back Means that God has to tolerate evil in this world for now. But I'm telling you, one day that will come to an end. One day our Heavenly Father is going to turn to Jesus and to the army of angels that is behind him, and God's going to say, It's time. And as soon as He says that, it's over. Everything will cease to exist, and our opportunity to choose Jesus will cease to exist because Jesus will come back. See, some people think that God is not very loving because he tolerates and allows so much evil in this world. I'm telling you, it's the exact opposite is true. God tolerates evil in this world because he is so incredibly loving that he is giving the people that you know in the people in your life, the people in your family, more time to choose. He's so loving that he's willing to tolerate evil for now to give people more time to choose. So for us, that means that the last image on our, on our photo on page is an hourglass. Because God is allowing more time, but it's only for now. There will come a day when the last piece of sand will flow through and Jesus will come and it's over. But until then, God tolerates evil because he's given the people we love more time and maybe even us more time, which begs two questions. Here, write these down. Here's the first question. The first question is this, who's going to be in heaven because of me? Who is going to be in heaven because of me. Okay, Like I know, All right, technically people aren't gonna be in heaven because of Jesus, like I get that, okay. So maybe a better way to phrase it, what I'm really kind of getting at is, like who's gonna be in heaven because you told them about Jesus? Here's the thing, I've thought about my life. Look, look while, while it's true that when I was 11 years old it was Pastor Ron in that one day in church that got me to you know, pull over my life long enough to ask Jesus Christ to come in, It wasn't just Pastor Ron that got me to the place where I would slow down. It was also my parents who were faithful to bring me to church every week without fail. It was my parents who talked to me about God and about Jesus at home. It was my small group leaders at church that we'd sit around at a table on Sunday, and because we didn't do Wednesday, we did Sunday, I'd sit around a table and we'd talk about Jesus and like what it meant to follow him and what it meant to be a Christ follower It was my large group leaders at church that Told me the stories about the Bible and taught them to me so that I can understand more It was the other kids at church who had already become Christ followers that were kind that were encouraging Honestly, it just it made me want to be a part of their group So the truth is it wasn't just pastor Ron It was all of these other people along the way that God used to plant those seeds of faith in my heart that eventually grew to the point where I said, you know what, I'm ready. I'm ready. The same's true for you. Chances are it wasn't just one person, it was lots of people. Which also means that God wants to use you to reach teenagers, kids, your kids, other people's kids by your influence. And you may or may not be there when they finally pull the car over and invite Jesus to come into their life. But even if you're not, you still have a hand in where they are going to spend eternity. See, when you, when you teach teenagers here at church, you have a hand in where they spend eternity. When you teach kids here at this church at any age, you have a hand in where they spend eternity. When you bring your kids, when you bring your children to this church, and when you talk to them openly about God and about Jesus at home, you have a hand in where they spend eternity. When you talk to other people, friends, neighbors, coworkers, people at the gym, whoever, about Jesus, about God, even if you're not there where they finally pull over the car, you still have a hand in where they spend eternity. You do. Just like all the people in my life did. It's incredible. So, And by the way, the kids in this church need you. The teenagers in this church need you. They need to hear from you about how God has changed your life and they need you to pour into them. My kids need you. Your kids need other adults because they need to hear it from other people than just you. They need you. So let me ask you again, who's gonna be in heaven because of you that you are willing to pour into them? whether you're there when they pull over the car or not. Who's gonna be in heaven because of you? Which leads us to the second question, and that is this. Who's in my life that God wants to pursue through me? And I know, uh, like, I, 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 this is my fault, I made a little misprint in, in, the, in your bulletin, so it says, who is in your life, scratch that out, put my, that was my fault. So who is in my life that God wants to pursue through me? I wanna tell you something that helps me, Look, and I don't have a Bible verse for this, Um, but this thing that I'm about to tell you, it, it helps me get over the hump and telling people about Christ. Um, and honestly, it's probably just merely the product of watching too many guilt ridden cheesy videos from when, you know, when I was in youth group as a teenager, but here's what helps me. Um, I think about the people in my life that don't know Christ yet. They're not Christ followers yet. And here's what I think about I think about them standing before God on judgment day. And in that moment, in that moment when, they, when it dawns on them what is happening, when, in that moment when they realize that they are about be, to be separated from God forever, that they are not going to go to heaven, in that moment when they realize it, I think about them turning to me and saying, why? Like, why didn't you tell me about this? I mean, of all those conversations we had in the front yard as neighbors, why didn't you tell me about this? Of all those times that we worked out next to each other at the gym, why didn't you tell me about this? Of all those times that we sat in the stands together and we watched our kids on the field, why didn't you tell me about this? I mean, what were you afraid of? What, were you afraid that I might laugh at you? What, were you afraid that it might make things awkward between us? Well, you know what? It would have been worth it to me to at least give me a chance because you would have told me about this. I'm telling you. That imagery in my mind, that's what helps get me over the hump of like, should I or shouldn't I tell them or should I or shouldn't I invite them? And then I think about that. I think about them looking at me, I say, you know what? It's totally worth it, I'm gonna tell. I'm gonna invite, I'm gonna say something. I'm gonna bring it up. It's what helps me because here's the deal. God has been pursuing them their whole life And God has put them in my life for a reason. And so I want God to use me to pursue them. And the truth is, God has put people in your life for a reason. He's been pursuing them their whole lives, and He wants to use you to pursue them. So if I was gonna sum up this verse that we're looking at today, if I was gonna sum it up in one sentence, I would say it like this Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. God is patiently waiting for now. Bow your heads, close your eyes, let me pray for us. Father, thank you. Father, thank you for being so patient and pursuing me my whole life. For all those times when I was going my own way and I ignored you or... I didn't understand, and I took the long, winding road. Thank you for being patient with me and continuing to pursue me and never giving up on me. And even now, you still pursue me. You still pursue me because you love me. And I thank you for every person in this room because you pursue each one of them. You pursue each one of us so passionately, but yet so patiently. And so thank you for the long, winding roads in each of our lives. And help us, God, when we want to reach over and grab the wheel and steer ourselves, then we would resist that temptation and just let you drive, let you be in charge. Because you want to take us to so many great places in life. So thank you. Continue to pursue us and help us not to forget this one thing. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Thank you so much for joining our weekly podcast from the Sunday Morning Experience. If you have questions, please reach out at connections at parkwayfellowship.com. Have a great week.